The National Football League is back, and we are going to talk about it next. This episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast is brought to you by the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Subscribe to the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform for the newest episodes of the Data Lab with Professor John Bush and Dennis Mickelson as well as new episodes every week of Card Subject to Change, our new wrestling podcast with CZ and Nick. And three times a week, releasing episodes on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays, the Educated Ignorance Podcast. On Mondays, you will get full breakdowns of the Sunday night football game, as well as a couple quick-hitting topics from some of the NFL action on Sunday. Tuesday will be a quick-hitting reaction of the Monday night football game, as well as a full slate review of the Sunday games, the biggest and broadest topics from the weekend of football, as well as some college football stuff. And, of course, that Tuesday will be the Elite Eight episode each week for the NFL season, where we will reveal the top eight teams, according to myself in the NFL. And then on Friday, we will be releasing each week a big kind of preview for the weekend's games coming up, as well as the Sinister Six podcast every week with Mac Fulton. He will be joining us every week for the Sinister Six uh, joint venture of NFL games and college games throughout the year. Our best big, our best six picks of the weeks. We will also have some betting stuff in there as well against the spread, over-unders, things like that. So stay tuned for those three episodes a week of the Educated Ignorance Podcast here on the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. We're also brought to you by For Fantasy Sake, the head of the table of For Frequency Sake, as DJ Jarvis likes to put it. Check them out every Sunday morning from 10 to 1130 for your weekly fantasy preview show for the NFL Sunday. It was a big fantasy week for me. Had a huge day. And we're going to talk about, actually, some of those guys. We're not going to talk about fantasy-wise, but I just want to mention, you know, Saquon Barkley, welcome back. Had a big day for him. Jalen Hurts, he had a good day. Wasn't on my team, but in my main league, but in another league he was. A uh, couple other guys that had some really impressive days. Justin Jefferson, we're going to talk about them and the Vikings. The Bears-Niners game didn't have any great fantasy days, but we're going to discuss about that and also go into, uh, of course, our Sunday night football game, that Cowboys-Bucks game. That was ugly, but we're going to talk about it anyway. And then we're going to close out with some quick hitters here to wrap up this Sunday podcast. Week one of the NFL season was a beautiful day, an absolutely glorious day. And we thank everybody for joining us. Buckle up. Let's get it on. Week one of the NFL is here. We're going to break it down right here on the Educated Ignorance Pod. Late Sunday evening, we got to watch the Bucks and the Cowboys game. Hang out with everybody, enjoy what a what an absolutely fantastic day of football. Great weekend to go out and hang out. Went to a wedding. I've been to a wedding so long. Going to another one this weekend. Congratulations to Tyler Kelsey, uh, De La Rosa, soon to be. I'm gonna throw that out there on the pod. Two of my greatest friends. They are wed in six days from now um i'm so excited for them 
and it's going to be great. I just wanted to get that out there. Anyway, I am, you know, they are like a room across from me. I hope they don't hear this. It's pretty late. But anywho, uh, as we move on, what a day it was of football, and I want to start with this Bucks cowboys game, as we always will every Sunday night. Uh, that was an ugly game, but I feel like there's a lot to take away. First off, the Cowboys are a mess, and they don't have any weapons. They have a really, really bad offensive line. Uh, without Smith, they they struggle to they 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 can't pick up blitzes. Tony Pollard is horrific in pass pro, and I don't think he was really good tonight. I thought Zeke had a couple good moments, uh, and Dak honestly. So Dak goes out, and this. Very well could be that this very well could be a four and thirteen year written all over for the Cowboys. So Dak goes out early fourth quarter. They're pretty much dead in the water at this point anyway. Other than the first drive, the offense couldn't do anything. They were able to sustain a few drives, but really, any time they could get any momentum, it just quickly went away. Um and they have good players on their offense. I think Zeke is good. I think Tony Pollard's a solid player. I just people think that because he gets a lot of open holes to run through, it makes it makes him look way way better than he actually is on a given day. And I I believe Zeke is the much better running back, and he provides more for Dallas. Pollard's just that kind of change of pace guy. Ceedee Lamb's really really good. Uh, I thought Jalen Tolbert was going to be this really, really good player for them, but uh, in a locker room of a wide receiver room full of USFL caliber players, uh, Tolbert couldn't make the active list tonight. He was inactive, so I don't get that. All the stuff we heard from the Cowboys all offseason long was how good Tolbert was and how much of a weapon he'd be, and then he doesn't even play tonight. So that was very disappointing. Dalton Schultz is a pretty good tight end. He's top 15. Uh, but yeah, man. Dak was Dak, Dak got hurt and he's going to be out for a, a month and a half at least. We're going to get to that in a second, but he was really bad tonight. And he even when he had some time there he was being f moved off of his spot and trying to make plays and he just wasn't able he was having bad accuracy, horrific timing. Listen man, the Cowboys over the last few years, have gone out of their way to spend money on people maybe a little too soon. Now, granted, here's the thing. I think they haven't really goofed up the bag too, that, too much with, with those types of players. Now, the Jalen Smith one, he it, he was – I thought Smith would be good, but it turned out he was just really bad. Van Der Esch has his ups and downs. Demarcus Lawrence, I loved when they did that. I thought he was really good. The problem was once he got paid, he all of a sudden – you know, his production just fell in the tank. Same thing for Zeke to a, to an extent, but Zeke has had a nice bounce back over the last year or two. I thought he was pretty good last year. Don't tell PFF that, though. Uh, PFF thinks Pollard's one of the four best running backs in the league, them fucking idiots. But Dak tonight was just really bad. And defensively for the Cowboys, I think Trey Diggs is good, though people think he's overrated because he does get picked on a lot. I think he's a very good ball hawk, I believe. He is susceptible get, to get burnt. But he is a checkers or wreckers type of player 
out there outside. It's very dangerous, but he's. I thought he was pretty good tonight, especially. And I think they got some good players on that defense. Uh, I like some of their DBs and some of the stuff they got up front. Um, they did lose Randy Gregory, which hurt. But, yeah, man, without Dak, and the offense is so incompetent, they are going to struggle. And this is – the good news is, I guess, is we're probably not going to have the Cowboys on national television after week five because there's a really good chance they're going to go oh, – and they're going to start off oh for whatever – I know they had the Cooper Rush win over the Vikings last year, but as we're about to talk about the Vikings here in a moment, <laughs> um, they are a totally different team, and that that win in general was hilarious uh, by the Cowboys over the Vikings last season. I'm a real big fan of Minnesota, and right now I, I am usually not gung-ho for the Cowboys. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I, I really like I like Dak and – I like the stuff they've done, but man, it is rough. Tonight was rough to try to see what they were trying to do, and they just weren't executing it, man. They McCarthy is I don't think Jerry has the the nuts to fire him mid-season, but I, but it's going to be Here's the problem. If they're 1 and 6, 1 and 7 whatever by the time Dak comes back, I'm trying to pull up their schedule. Uh, only NFC's team to not get a win today, by the way. That's hilarious. Uh, all right, so they play Cincy next week. That's an L. The Giants in two weeks. It's a toss-up if Cooper Rush plays. Uh, they play Washington in week four. I mean, Washington's front four could eat them alive, especially if Chase Young is back, but who knows. Rams week five, that's an L. Eagles week six, that's definitely an L. Lions up front could really handle them. That could be an L. Same for the Packers. Then the Vikings. Then the like it that is So Owen, oh, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games to start the season. That Giants game, by the way, in a couple weeks on Monday night is on the road in week three. I feel that they're able to hang without Dak in one two of those games. Depending on how the Lions play, it's not going to be good for these guys. We could get to Week Nine, and this team is two and seven, one and eight at best, or one and seven, two and eight at best, maybe three and six. If but but man, th that'd be three. Like all right, let's say you beat the 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 Giants and the Lions. Are they beating Minnesota? No. Are they beating Green Bay? No. Are they beating Philly after tonight? After the, we're going to talk about the Eagles in our quick hitter segment at the end of this. I doubt it. Like Philly's good, uh, the Rams. I don't think the Rams are as bad as they look Thursday. So no, Washington maybe, Bengals absolutely not. Like it's going to be a big problem for Dallas going forward. And I know overreaction, blah blah blah. But I feel like this is justified with, with Dak out. There are they are in a big big trouble. Let's let's pivot to the Bucks. I want to talk about a couple things. First off, the offensive line for them tonight looked really rough. Obviously, we have we have documented them losing the likes of Marpet, Jensen, Kappa. Kappa's on the Bucks. Marpet retired the year of the Super Bowl. Jensen is uh, out for the year. Um, they did get Shaq Mason in a trade from the Pats, but he was not great tonight. Uh, their only other constant O-lineman uh, uh, on the left side, Donovan Smith, hurt his arm tonight. Who knows how long he'll be out. And Tristan Wirfs, 
who was really, um, really good tonight, and hopefully he can, uh, you know, stay healthy and continue to play well because he's he is a really, really high level player. Tristan Horses. I mean, that dude is an absolute savage. <laughs> like one of the best tackles in the game. Uh, I think his rookie year, they when they won the Super Bowl, he only gave up like one sack. I mean. It's nuts how good he is. But I am very interested to see, though, how they continue to navigate throughout the season on the offensive side. There were moments where they worked really well. They just had drive stall because it's like when they got into the tighter areas, they weren't able to run the ball. Granted, Lenny actually was solid tonight. He had, like, his highest rushing total over 120 uh, yards with the Bucks. That was a uh, high for him in the few years he's been there. So that was impressive. I thought Fournette did have a nice little jump in his step tonight, which was really good. Uh, usually, you know, Ronald Jones had his faults, but it seemed like they worked better when him and Jones were together. We saw Rico White tonight, but we didn't see much of him, just some spell moments. Fournette, that was the most – he's really toted the rock since the Jacksonville days, and I thought he looked solid, so that was good. Hopefully they can run block well. Brady still has it. I mean, the throws he's making, he can still move. He obviously – all the weird stuff that's been going on with him, when he gets in between the lines, it all blocks out. The offensive issues, I think, just stem from Dallas has some really good players on the defense. I, one of the guys I didn't even mention on the defense, Micah Parsons, by the way. Micah Parsons might be one of the fucking 10, 15 best players in the entire league, man. He is absolutely ridiculous. It's stupid how good he is. He, the stuff he does, man, the speed he plays with, from sideline to sideline, the play recognition, and not just as an edge rusher, he will go edge rusher, he'll he'll play on the, on the line, off the line, he'll play Mike linebacker, he is so impressive. I don't think there's honestly anybody else in the league that, does, that can do the stuff he does. Is he the best in the league? No, he's not a guy like... Aaron Donald or Miles Garrett, you know, but at his position, you know, like, man, there ain't many other dudes in the, on the defensive side of the ball better than him in this league, if any, after those two. Like, it's it's scary. I know it's overused, but he's he's different. Anyway, back to the Bucks. So the offensive stuff with Brady looked pretty good, other than, like, the stuff when they got into the condensed areas. I do want to take this into consideration. I'm gonna, ha I, I'm already gonna backtrack this take. I thought the Julio Jones stuff was people just hoping and wishing. Man, oh man, did he have some pep in his step tonight? And I don't know what it was and what he. I don't know if he was drinking Michael's secret stuff on that sideline, but boy, oh boy, it used to be six. Now it's six. LOL. Number six in red. Julio, he was cooking this evening and had some good good mo move he you know he had the burst he was able to beat guys deep and still make some really tough catches if i mean you add that with evans now here's what i worry about so julio can obviously be a guy that can still break the top off a of defense but godwin is an extreme difference maker for them i was shocked that he was back so soon 
and then he went out. And that's a worry for me. Like, without him, that's one of the biggest, another huge, other than the offensive line, that's the thing I worry about the second most outside the O-line with the defense is, or the offense, excuse me, is Godwin not being out there because Godwin can just do so many things. You have Evans and Julio to just wreak havoc on the outside, but Godwin can can muck things up. Like, the first play of the game, they just run a little smoke screen to him and he picks up 20 yards. Like, that's the type of stuff he can do. Now Evans and Jones can do that stuff also, but, like, Godwin is their guy for that, and I hope he didn't re-aggravate that injury at all too bad because he's a huge difference maker for them, uh, and, and it's really, really impressive. We're going to take a quick break. We'll talk about uh, two of the more interesting topics, and we'll hit on our quick hitters here uh, uh, after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar in Rock Island. It's the place to be every Sunday this football season. Barbecue Chris will be in the house every week smoking the place up with his amazing menu or mouth-watering barbecues. Cavies will have every game on inside and outside their numerous TV screens. Plus, you can play their adult video games, and they have the loosest slots around. Check out Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar, 1228 30th Street in Rock Island. In addition to bringing fire on the mic... The team at 4 Frequency Sake is still bringing it online as well. Check out 4FantasySakeQC.com this season for college DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each and every week of this football season. Again, that is 4FantasySakeQC.com for college DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each week during the football season. All right. Time for me to pat myself on the back with this one. The Minnesota Vikings, they looked every bit of the team that I had envisioned them to be here to, uh, today against Green Bay. Now, I guess, real quick, I think Green Bay is going to be able to bounce back. Next week against the Bears is going to be really telling. Um, it's going to be hard for me to not put on uh, Green Bay minus whatever the points are at home next Sunday night. Uh, on the Sinister Six card because I always feel like Colin Coward said this and I, I've learned it. Look, you it's always a good rule in the NFL if you're a really good team and you get embarrassed the week before that you're going to come back and play well the next week. So I think Green Bay, and I hate it because it's against my boys, but I think next week could, they could really roll. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute when we get to the Bears here in a sec. But uh, So that's kind of what I wanted to mention real quick with them. So first off for Minnesota. Today showed all the reasons that I was excited about them. The biggest thing, you when you have a, a team with this many offensive dynamic players, Jefferson, Thielen, Cook, etc., uh, Kirk to an extent, he's not a superstar QB, but he's he's a I think he's a top half quarterback and can absolutely make plays to win games when you need him. Today showed that when you have an offensive coach like Kevin O'Connell that is extremely attention to detail on that side of the ball, which is something they have not had, things are so much smooth. Things are running well. And ladies and gentlemen, that Green Bay defense is really, really good. That Green Bay defense is high level. I, that defense for them is one of the reasons I actually think Green Bay is still going to be one of the one of the playoff teams. And I I, I really am worried that I took their under even after today, they got a lot of high-level players. That defensive line's got a bunch of them. They have guys like Devondre Campbell, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, 
they have a lot of those type of dudes on that defense. And today, they got pushed around, and they just got schemed to death. Justin Jefferson, one running wide open. We'll get back to him in a second. Kirk Cousins having time in the pocket. On time, on target, accurate plays. They were able to run the ball effectively. They were able to push Green Bay around up front. Their offensive line is good, but it's not great. Today offensively showed how dynamic this team can be on offense, and it's a, just a jolt to this team. I, that's what I was confident in. When we were talking in the over-under pod, Nick hit me with, like, listen, their defense doesn't have a bunch of really high-level guys. No, they're starting freaking Patrick Peterson at corner the year of our Lord 2022. On the first play of the game, they should have got burnt for a touchdown because Christian Watson did him on the outside. Rodgers threw it deep. Peterson's three steps behind him, and Watson had it go right through his hands. That being said, they still have some really good players. Eric Kendricks is a baller, and he was everywhere today. Guys, he was everywhere today. They were blowing everything up. Uh, Harrison Smith, still a very, very good player. Everson Griffin's a good player. And also another guy on that defense that's really good, the guy, former Packer, Zadarius Smith. He played really, really, really well today. I think that defense has enough guys that can do stuff to make them good. And, I, again, 12, 13 wins. The one seed in the NFC, I think, is, is, is extremely reachable for them. Now, let me, have, let me add another outlandish take that I don't think is outlandish. Um, Justin Jefferson is going to compete for the MVP this year, guys. Not just OPOI, but MVP. This dude is going to put up ridiculous numbers this season. The schematics, his ability... All of his traits, those are all going to come into one. He's going to have a Cooper Cup level season, but better, I think. More, more catches, more, probably more yards, and he'll be in that touchdown range, the 16 to 18 touchdown range. He's going to have a stupid season, and he's, he's going to be absolutely in the thick of the MVP race this year. Uh, and we could very well have potential two back-to-back -back triple crown winners in the NFL at the wide receiver position. Love, love, love the Vikings. Now for Green Bay, offensively, there was some stuff that I liked what they were doing. Now, Aaron, obviously, he struggles to trust people. That's the main narrative that people love to, to bang on the drum on. The Christian Watson thing was just unfortunate. I think he's a solid player, and I think those dynamics will be worked out throughout the year. But I do like how they were using the running backs, Jones and Dylan, together. The, that was what I wanted to see because on the drives that they had where they were moving the ball, like Jones and Dylan were absolutely carrying that offense with the scheme that LaFleur was running. So I feel like that is a plus for them throughout the year, and I think Green Bay will be okay. Moving on to... Uh, the uh, uh, another game here. This was a very interesting game, and it was the Bears and the 49ers. Started off as a boring slop fest, turned into an intriguing game that we actually learned a lot about both of these teams. The beginning of this game was a weird field position matchup where the Bears could not get past their own 20, and the Niners, for a while, could not get past the Bears' 40. Uh, both teams were going back and forth with punts till the dam broke, and the Niners finally scored. And then from there, uh, 
uh, some more stalemating. Bears picked up a few first downs here or there. They finally got a nice drive together where they were in field goal range for Cairo Santos, but then they got moved back 15 yards because they tried to, to pad off a spot on the field. Very weird. Whatever. Uh, there were a couple weird things today officiating-wise uh, that, that were all over the league. There were some weird ones, but I digress. Bears do go down 10 nothing. Niners score to start the second half, and the Bears' offense had really struggled. They were unable to block up front, and then all of a sudden, it fa they, they finally hit on one play, and then all, everything just started to click. It was a third down, I think, and Fields, they, they bring guys off the edge, and Fields has to reverse out, and then he stops, not really stops, but he kind of floats, from the left side of the field all the way across to the other side of the field. It's Dante Pettis, who's butt naked wide open, catches it and goes to the house. Uh, people are people, you know, will say how bad that play that was mechanics-wise because it's Justin Fields, but if Herbert or Mahomes or Allen made that play, we'd be, you know, giving him the Gluck Gluck 9,000, whatever. Fields did what he had to do and made a nice play, made something out of nothing. That's the stuff we've seen him do for a long time. Now, from that point on, the Bears started cooking. Defense started playing really well. They were finally able to do things that made Trey Lance, you know, gave him fits, disguising coverages, uh, you know, disguising blitzes. Their front four surprising was a, surprisingly was able to get home. They were doing stuff with but Robert Quinn. Not he wasn't effective, but he was used up being. Effective enough to get other guys up, up front involved. Dominic Robinson is a guy from fifth-round pick from a Miami, Ohio, that I'm interested to see this year. thought Roquan played well. Corners were solid. Jaquan Brisker as well. <laughs> Defense for the Bears, I thought. It's undermanned, but I think they have some bright spots. Now, tr I real quick, I want to talk about Trey Lance. There's some stuff with him that's good, and there's some stuff with that's bad. Now, there's some stuff that Kyle Shanahan schemed up in the first half for touchdowns that he just missed. They ran like a throwback wheel route on their second drive, and he sailed it. Uh, there's a couple other plays that you can go and find that he just missed on, reads-wise, and some bad timing on some throws. That's going to happen for them. And But there are some plays that he made that I was really, really impressed with. Uh, for instance, there was, uh, oddly enough, it was – on the same drive that he threw this that uh, a pick that we're going to talk about here in a few moments he they ran kind of uh so Quinn hadn't been he had been a while since he was able to get in but they ran a stunt where they had the tackle come and bump the defensive or the uh the offensive tackle and Quinn looped in to come right up the middle and Lance saw it and was able to slide out to his left and then tuck it and run for a first down and the quarterback run stuff that they did in this game I thought was really, really good. And there were a couple other times that he had to move off platform out of the pocket, make a quick little slide, and he was able to throw to an open guy. They weren't able to push the ball downfield, but in that weather, it was tough. I think that with this team as a finished product at the end of the season, that's where I believe, again, that's where I have the faith that this team is going to be really good. Now, we'll talk about the pick here in a second. So it was, what, 10-7? to 7? Bears were able to start getting some drives together. The, the here's the, the the thing for Chicago that is so evident already. They are so much better, much better, 
more well-coached, whatever the phrasing is. They are so well-coached compared to last year or the year before the, that era. It is day and night, man. It is day and night. The execution, the adjustments they made, the the way they were able to disguise things, the offense actually having scheme and game planning and play design. They were able to, to get creative. They were able to use stuff that they used earlier in the game to set up some things. Here's for an example, the second touchdown of the game. They were having some success with some runs in short yardage situation, though they were showing that type of stuff as well. That they were, if they got in a short yardage situation, they wanted to run the play action. They ran double cross with a uh, post corner to EQ St. Brown, and he was wide open in the end zone. Fields also had Pringle on the right cross going right to left, also open, where if he would have dumped it to him, Pringle would have got to the left that sideline. No one was there. He had multiple guys wide open. That's because of the play design. You once When you're able to get the defense going side to side, not knowing what way you're going, that is when you can be effective. And that is where I think Fields will eventually be effective with the rhythm of the offense and the timing that he can make and the plays that he can make. I thought running the ball today, they were okay. They had their moments. I think throughout the season, they're going to have moments for Fields where he'll have more design quarterback runs. I thought there were a couple plays that he made that were really smart today. The pick that he had in the first quarter was horrific. So you, those are the types of plays you still got to eliminate. And there's also the plays like that first touchdown that he had where, you know, he's just going to make a play out of nothing. The other thing, too, of the well-coached matter, that interception they had where it led to their last touchdown, which pretty much sealed the game, uh, was perfect. They run cover one disguise. They bring the rights. Uh, if you're looking at it from the all 22 behind the quarterback, the right safety. So the strong uh, strong safety plays deep deep third, and Ed, Eddie Jackson came under to play robber, which is he just sits underneath and tries to to disguise one way and then come underneath to take stuff in the middle third of the field underneath the deep stuff. And they disguised it, and Trey Lance threw right into it. That was the reason that I felt so confident about the Bears in this game, at covering and hanging with the Niners. It's because Matt Eberflus was going to be able to do stuff to make Trey Lance, you know, confuse him. And that's the stuff over the year where I think Lance and that Niners team is going to improve because I don't think you're going to be able to wait to get. You're going to. I don't think you're going to be able to get away with those types of things in November and December like you are now in the early stage of the season. But Eddie Jackson made a great play. They come down the field. Niners commit a couple dumb penalties. Herbert runs it in. Once the Bears went up nine, the heavens opened again, and it started raining like crazy. And the Niners, at that point, no one's moving the football. So the Bears had the game in hand once there was about four and a half minutes left. So those are some points there with... The Bears being well coached, and I think it's going to help them throughout the season. But also for the Niners, like today, there are positives. There's stuff Lance does. Their defense is loaded. Their offense has a lot of playmakers. The one thing I worried about, Elijah Mitchell got hurt today with a knee. Hopefully he's okay, but man, it's like the, that running back room is cursed. I don't get it. Nobody can stay healthy. Hopefully Mitchell can be there because that the running game is a big dynamic for them, and I think in better conditions too. Like they're they show today that they are not afraid to run Lance. And I like that. 
Hopefully, though, throughout the year, they're going to be able to not have to worry about that, but also even use the quarterback run as a play-action threat, and that'll allow him to get the ball out. There are some bright spots there for both teams. For the 49ers, their ceiling obviously is way higher because they got a much better roster than the Bears. For the Bears moving forward, it's the consistency. And, and why I said I feel like the Packers' early line is 9.5 and, and why I feel confident for the Packers is just haven't seen the Bears be able to put it together consistently. Now, next week, if the Bears can really, you know, earn my trust with a good performance in Green Bay, not like covering the spread, obviously, but like hanging in there and having a shot and looking the part, you know, being able to hang around and do those things uh, and look competent in doing it, take advantage of some things you can, uh, of some moments you have. Those are where this Bears team can just take a step forward for me and throughout the year. So those were the two, I think, bigger games of the day, like the biggest talking points of the day. There were some other ones that we're going to hit in our quick hitters next here on the Educated Ignorance Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill in Moline and Davenport. Chase away your Sunday scaries at Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill this season. Located in the Belgium neighborhood of 7th Street in Moline, Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill is home to some of the Quad City's best food and drink specials. On Sunday, there's no better place to be. Clint's is serving up 75-cent wings and $4 Bloody Marys all day. And is your favorite team playing in those out-of-market games? Well, you'll never miss a second of the action on one of their 10 screens with NFL Sunday Ticket. And after you've had your wing and bloody fix, finish off your football watching experience with one of their famous Quad City-style pot pizzas. And folks, they know pizza. They've been spinning QC-style pies for the last 22 years. So make Clint's part of your Sunday football routine. Clint's Draft House, Pizza and Grill, 7th Street in Moline. And also... Clint's is now serving up their famous pizza and fried chicken on the Iowa side of the river as well. Clint's Pizza House and Chicken opens up daily at 4 p.m. so everyone in the Quad Cities can enjoy their QC-style pizza and Henny Penny fried chicken. That's Clint Pizza House and Chicken, 7th Street Moline, and 1601 West 3rd Street in Davenport. I already know I'm going to get messages from people. No, why did you talk 9, 10 minutes on the Bears? Because it's fascinating, that game. You have one of the better teams in the league in the Niners, two very interesting, intriguing young quarterbacks in Lance and Fields, and listen, man, a lot of stuff to talk about in that one. So anyone who was even thinking about sending that text, or if you're at this point of the pod and you already sent that text, suck it. There you go. Probably mad I haven't talked about the Chiefs. We'll talk about the Chiefs. It's our quick hitter segment. We'll start with them. They weren't even first on my list, but we'll talk about them real quick. Listen, man, they're going to be second in my Elite Eight tomorrow. Spoiler alert, right behind the Bills. Spoiler alert. It's them and Buffalo. Like, they're easily the first tier in the league. There might even be a gap before we get to the next tier. They're Bills, a tier. Chiefs, the next. And then, like, clear one, two, I think. Because I think the Bills have a more – their high-end players are better than the Chiefs' high-end players. 
Like if you break down roster one for one. But the Chiefs, offensively, schematically, still really good. One of the best O-lines in the league. Mahomes is just dumb. It's dumb at this point what he can do. Uh, and they, even though they have a obvious downgrade of, of weaponry, still guys that can be effective. Now, how will they look when they actually play competent defenses? That'll be interesting. When teams can actually possibly present a de- uh, uh, some pressure, let me tell you what, man, because I will say this. The Arizona Cardinals sh- just played the most uninspired game of football ever for week one. That was really bad, guys. At least on the defensive end. Offensively, they were trying. But even still, like, I don't think the Chiefs' defense is that great. Like, they lost two of their better guys, even though I don't think Chadervius Ward is the greatest player in the world. Um, But, like, yeah, they got Jones back, Frank Clark back. Or Jones is in there, Frank Clark is back this year. Nick Bolton's good. I don't think, like, again, I don't think they have high-level players on defense. The Cardinals just really couldn't get anything going. And and offensively, the Chiefs, it was just too easy. It was easy. But the difference there is just schematically. X's and O's, they just took the Cardinals to pound town. I'm really worried about the Cardinals this year. But for the Chiefs, there was a part of me that going into week one's like, man, I really, like, down on the Chiefs in some stuff, in some aspects. And I had them two last week. Yeah, today made me feel good about that. Today made me feel good about that, guys. They're awesome. They are awesome. And they blasted Arizona today. Mahomes was stupid how good he was. Uh, Eagles, hey, man, I got to give it up. The Eagles look good today. And Jalen Hurts look good today. Listen, he finally has a dynamic weapon. Devontae Smith is good and a high-level guy, like as a slot dude, I think, eventually. But they just didn't have an X receiver that was competent last year. And A.J. Brown was that guy today, and Air is that guy, and he was that guy today, and will be that guy this season. They have a connection already, and that's really important. I thought he wasn't efficient passing. Like, he still makes these mistakes. There was, some, there was a couple plays today that shows me he's learning some more nuances of the NFL game. Like, here's a random one. Late drive in the two-minute. They run a read option in the first half, and Hertz is it's blown up, right? And instead of eating the yards and losing yards by going out of bounds and losing five yards, he just chest passes it to the line of scrimmage, but out of bounds throwing it away, and that's legal. Like a, he's basically throwing it away. Very heads up play, very smart play. Uh, like certain things like that, I feel like him a year ago. Definitely two years ago, the game would have been too fast for him to process that. I know it's a very small thing, and you're probably like, well, that doesn't mean anything. But important things like that, like not getting tackled in bounds in the two-minute drill, not uh, losing yards on a two-minute drive to lose momentum, saving precious seconds, like knowing knowing to eat a down instead of trying to just force a play and getting nothing out of it. Those are types of plays I really love to see quarterbacks make because it shows that they're thinking about more than just that play. They're thinking about the bigger picture. Um, and he's never going to be the 65 70% completion guy, but uh, but he was able to hit some chunk plays. They are able to blow the top off the defense. 
I really and the running game today. Look, it was so weird that the first month of the season last year, they basically didn't give a shit about running the football, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they did, and they were like the best running team in the league. Uh, but they ran the ball today good. Miles Sanders had his first touchdown in like two years. So sometimes you forget he's an NFL player. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell is a solid secondary running back. And Hurts, obviously, the dynamic. I've always said Hurts is one of the best running quarterbacks I've ever seen just because he always knows how much he can get, and he has the speed to get out there, and he never takes hits. He, of the thing I was so impressed with him in college running the ball was he doesn't take unnecessary hits. Like Lamar Jackson, now Grant, I think Lamar Jackson is – Ten times the quarterback hurts is ten times over each, maybe. But Lamar Jackson's one of the eight, nine, ten at worst best quarterbacks in the league. Hertz is somewhere between sixteen twenty-two. He's still got some st- steps to prove, but today was a good step for him. Um but I've always said like the thing here's the thing Lamar takes unnecessary hits as a runner. But he can do that because of how talented he is. Hertz can have Hertz can do the same type of things running the football. He doesn't have the burst that Lamar does. Because Lamar, again, it's just freaky what he can do. But Hertz doesn't take hits. He's smart running, and he gets out of bounds. Like I always said, like, the thing that impresses me so much is he doesn't get tackled. He either scores or he runs out of bounds and doesn't get hit. So he has – he can get 100 yards a game, 80 – he can get – he can average a year with 80-plus yards on the ground a year. Like, he'll be a 1,000-yard rusher this year or close to it again. I, I don't remember if he went over it last year or not, but, like – so those are the things with him that I want to see throughout the year. And it will get me, like, if he can be consistent and not make mistakes and continue to be effective when it matters, not kill them in winning situations, that is where I will get on the hype train with him and be like, okay, there's something here. And I've even agreed with, like, Nick and Blake and whatnot. This team can be good without him being a superstar. But if he actually can back it up and provide good numbers and good play, then this team really can do some stuff, especially now with Dallas gone. The NFC East is so much easier for them. Uh, Yeah, Eagles were really impressive today. Chargers. Who, baby? This game was tight early and defenses were playing well, and then it just got to a point where Justin Herbert said, F it, I'm going to ball, and this dude, oh my god, I miss talking about him so much, guys. Ooh, oh, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Justin Herbert is that man. He was just throwing dot after dot after dot after dot, and oh, man, it was so good. Like, he was able to lead drives consistently, and even when Allen went down, I was like, shoo, that's not good. But they were having really good performances from other receivers, guys stepping up, and Mike Williams today. I don't know what happened. If someone hears this and finds out, like, was Mike Williams a late scratch? Did I miss that? Uh, Williams didn't play at all today. Keenan Allen goes down in the second quarter, and they were still able to move the ball. Um, Herbert was so good today. He was so good, and... They were able to get a very important win. Three touchdowns for Herbert, uh, 279 yards, protected the ball. They didn't run the ball well today, so that was a that, that's an issue that I think they'll eventually, you know, hopefully be better. But Herbert was effective and efficient, man. And gosh, they needed that. And and 
I forgot. Again, I just forgot how fun it was to watch him go. Here are some other guys that. So Carter, Everett, they had three catches each. McKitty had three catches. Mike Williams had two catches today, so we did play. Jordan Palmer only had five yards, so, like, they'll figure it out at the receiver position, but they were still able to do stuff, and Herbert was absolutely good. Um, here's some things. Raiders side real quick. Uh, Derek Carr had three picks. They weren't all bad, but there were, you know, like, some of them were like, eh. They need him to protect the ball, obviously. One thing that I love today, the Devon, we, <laughs> we definitely know the Devontae Adams-Derek Carr thing. That is automatic. Now, 10 for 141 for Adams. Here's the problem. At least two of his picks, I know, were him targeting Adams. And it's a rarity you see Hunter Renfro have only three catches. So hopefully throughout the year they can, they can get some effectiveness behind that. But listen, man, the Raiders today wish they would have hit that two-point conversion so I could have went 5-1-1 in Sinister 6 instead of 4-2-1. Shout-out to FanDuel for moving that Pittsburgh line to plus seven on us uh, when we dropped the pod Thursday or Friday, excuse me. So Mac and I pushed instead of losing. Uh, that's clutch. Anyway, different subject. Um, so, yeah, I think the Raiders, I think this sometimes will just be their problem. Like, they played better defense today than I expected them to, but... Herbert was just great. He was better than Carr today. And if some stuff is evened out, and at the end of the day, there were big sacks from the Chargers. Like, the Raiders had their opportunity after they got a stop, and they had the ball back down five with a couple minutes left, and they just couldn't do anything because the Chargers' defense, like, this is another bad thing for the Raiders, is their O-line is horrendous. And Khalil Mack today was really good. He had three sacks. Yes, Bears fans, like, trade needed to happen, and everyone's going to throw in their faces here when Khalil plays good. Like, listen, man, Khalil back is still good. The trade just needed to happen for where the Bears are at. So any idiotic fan this year that wants to plan those tweets or send me a Khalil Mack text, I'm, I'm going to tell you a couple things. One, you're stupid. Two, I'm still happy because I'm a Chargers homer because of Jay Erbo. Uh, moving on. Giants. <sighs> okay. I don't know what to say about this team. I hate them, but I also like them. I love Saquon Barkley. Today was so great to see him dominate. Dominate, guys. Dominate. He showed today that when the conversation of best running back in the league, he is honestly the top of the list. Today was special. 18 carries for 164 yards, 6 carries for 3 yards. He had a touchdown, and he had the game-winning play to, to win it on that two-point conversion. Anytime he touched the ball, it felt like he was going to score. Like, he made play after play after play. It was sensational to watch. They This team has a plethora of weapons. Sterling Shepard's a solid receiver, not good, but solid. Saquon Barkley, of course, one of the more dynamic players in the NFL. Kadarius Toney today only had two carries. Very weird. Wandale Robinson got hurt early. I think he's a guy that could do some stuff. They're not really gifted offensively. They are very mediocre at the offensive line at best. Daniel Jones is a guy that 
okay, so he was 17 to 21 today. Dayball is going to protect Jones to where it looks like his numbers are good. He's not. I think he's the worst starting quarterback in the league. Um, all 31 other guys today, I would take over him. He, the only guy I would, the only guy I would take him over going forward now will be Cooper Rush because Cooper Rush is a backup who's not good. So now the Dak's out. But like other than that, I mean, yeah, that's it. Like I, I would pro, I'd take maybe Mariota. But Mariota was really good today. It was weird. Uh, but listen, man. Dayball is going to make this offense look better than it is. Saquon's dominance is going to make this offense also look better than it is. They're going to be competitive, and they're honestly going to be watchable because Dayball is going to do things. Just don't buy the hype when people say this team is a contender in the division because at the end of the day, they're limited, and Dayball has to dummy things down so much because their lack of weapons. Like They have some dudes. like Shepard, I think, is solid. Wandale Robinson could be something. Kadarius Tony, it baffles me that he didn't do as much today as he did. Hopefully, Robinson obviously can come back. And of course, again, Saquon is one of the 15 to 10, 10 or 15 best players in the league. He is silly. God, I hope he stays healthy this year, man. That was fun to watch. Um, and it was fun to root for him, man. People forget this year, his rookie year, he was dominant. His rookie, he instantly stepped in the league and was one of the five best running backs in the sport. And 2,000-plus total yards this rookie year. And he has just not been able to catch a break since. God, I hope he can stay healthy for 17 this year, man. He was awesome. So, yeah, Dayball's great. I really hope that they can get Bryce Young. Because <laughs> I am a Bryce Young guy, and I am a Saquon dude, and I would love for a reason to actually like this Giants team again. Uh, but right now, they are they're, they employ Daniel Jones as their starting quarterback, so I am hopeless when it comes to them actually being good. But hey, good on them today. Uh, the Titans. Not impressive. After further review of the tape, more on them in the coming weeks, maybe. Titans could be cooked. The AFC South might be cooked. What the hell was that today by the Colts? They suck. Okay, in defense of the Colts, they weren't even on my list. They figured it out eventually. Missed some field goals in OT. I don't know. Hopefully they'll figure it out. Like, they did figure it out eventually in the second half. Pittman got rolling. JT got rolling. Matt Ryan was dialed in. So, they out they outgained the freaking Texans by like 300 yards. And they lost. Big tough. 200 yards. Plus 250 yards almost, and they lost. Or they uh, tied. Oh, well. All right, re lastly, real quick, Patriots fall to the Dolphins. Patriots are really bad. Their offense is gross. Shows when you hire two defensive coordinators, or my bad, a defensive coordinator and a special teams coach to call your offense in 2022. Not good, Chief. Mac Jones, very meh. In my quarterback tier list, the Tyramid, that I said a while ago I did. Let me tell you guys where I had Mac Jones ranked. He was in the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th tier. 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You guys just love to listen to me count. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 24. 25th best quarterback in the league. And I had him in a tier by himself. Guy who is going to get MVP votes because he plays on the Patriots. McCorkle Jones. Well, I would move him below these two guys that were right behind him in the tier called career on the line. Two in Hurts. Their career is still on the line, but I think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to pass those tests. Two as well. But Corkle's worse than both of them. And today, he wasn't good. Their offense wasn't good. Their offensive line wasn't good. The Dolphins look pretty good. There's going to be lumps throughout the year for them to just try to fit it all together. Patriots still have some solid defensive players. It's never going to be easy to just light up a Bill Belichick team. But, listen, they're dynamic at receiver. Tua's thing is they're going to have to just make sure that they don't have the horrific mistakes. And if Tua can just be a manager of the game, then they can be good enough. I like what they have at running back. I, uh, you know, 270 yards today for him, solid. I wish they ran the ball for more yards than 25 as their leading rusher by Chase Edmonds, but they're able to do it. 8 for 94 from Tyree Kill. Here's what I'll say. People might be like, yeah, the Chiefs don't miss him. Yeah, it might be true, but listen. Draft picks are cool until they become names. At the end of the day, I'd rather have Tyree Kill, one of the three best receivers in the league, maybe the most dynamic player in NFL history. I'd rather have him 8 for 94 today. Jalen Waddle's one of the top receivers in the sport. 4 for 69. I think that'll continue to be good. Really hope the Dolphins can do better than 2.8 a clip on the ground throughout the year. And I think they will. But their defense is really good. And they were able to handle or hold the Patriots to under two, close to two or under 300 total yards uh, today, which I think is impressive. Um, and listen, Dolphins, I think, can really be a playoff team. I worry for New England. But, uh, yeah, those are our quick hitters. Uh, other games that we could have talked about, we obviously talked about the Colts-Texans for a second. That game reserved end in a, in a tie. Washington-Jacksonville, it's a bad beat for me because it would have been nice to take. But granted, and I will say this on Wednesday as, or Thursday as well, <laughs> we deserve to lose that one in the Sinister Six because Mac and I kind of got – we're on the right side of a badish beat with the Baylor BYU game. There was no reason that Mac and I should have been on the right side of that number, but we were. Go Cougs. We got a break there. So I'm okay with the fact that we lost the Jacksonville game today. Uh, other than that, uh, I think that'll do her, you know. I think, oh, Bill, the other one. Yeah, Bills, not Bills. Bengals, Steelers. Uh, listen, man. Uh, Bengals deserve to lose. I think they'll be fine. Steelers, I, should, I wouldn't be doing, you know, victory laps. But, because you're not going to have many, like, you, should be, you shouldn't barely win a game that, the other team turned the ball over five times, and they honestly looked like shit. That was the worst that that Bengals team has looked since, like, before Burrow got there. They were just off sync all day. 
And now TJ Watt's probably done for the year. So not great. But, yeah, that'll do it. Um, yeah, we'll take another quick break before we wrap this up here on this uh, this edition of the Educating Nerds Pod. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at for frequency sake on facebook at ffsqc on twitter or you can send them an email at for fantasy sake qc at gmail.com all right all right big thanks to everybody who listened shout out to dj and doug uh was thank you for thanks to those boys for putting our sinister six segment out there today during the uh during the mothership pod uh this morning um we will be back tomorrow to talk about the Monday night game, Broncos-Seahawks. Please be fun. Next week's Monday night game is so much. It's a doubleheader next week. Bills-Titans and Eagles-Vikings. Woo-wee! That'll be so much more fun to talk about. But uh, it'll be great to hear Buck and Aikman tomorrow. Hopefully the game is intriguing. But at the end of the day, one team is quarterbacked by Geno Smith, so I don't know. Uh, Anyway, what a fun day this was. And I went a little longer than I thought today, but I guess I was just excited to talk about NFL football again, man. And, um, you know, it was good to have the emotion and the passion back. But that'll do it, uh, as always. So, real quick, this is the last week that we will be in the game room, technically, because we're moving back to East Moline. We're going to have Danny on pods uh, going forward. Um, I don't know how often he will be on the pod, but he's definitely when we get towards basketball season, he will be. Football season, he'll probably drop in and out here and there. But the – yeah, I'm excited. It's kind of, That's kind of called The Office. So maybe we're just going to say here live from The Office. I don't know. But the motto of this show is always going to be, you know, we like to say to bring it today. Bring your game on the Educated Ignorance podcast. So we're always going to say, if you ain't got the game, you best pass the sticks. We are out. We will see you all tomorrow night for the Monday night reaction. Uh, Some college football roundup. The week one NFL Elite Eight. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Educated Ignorance podcast on the 4th Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Until next time, we are out. See you.